0: You're listening
1: to PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Oh, Behave is brought to you by PetCo.com. PetCo is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high quality pet related products. Enter the code BEHAVE10, BEHAVE, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum. At Petco.com.
2: It's OBE with Arden Moore. The show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Arden
3: Moore. Welcome to the OBHA Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest is Annie Duke, one of the top poker players on the planet. But as we'll discover, there's more to Annie than winning big at poker tables, and there's much more to the game of poker than simply having a winning hand. Annie Duke knows when to hold and when to fold, and more importantly, Annie is all in when it comes to bettering the lives of pets and people in need. Please give pause and applause to the world's number one female poker player, Annie Duke. Welcome to the show, Annie. Uh, thanks for having me. You know, people are going to probably wonder, what's a famous poker player with a master's degree in psychology doing on a pet show? Well, you're going to find out right after we take this commercial break. So everybody sit and stay. We'll be right back.
2: Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All behave. will be right back.
0: There's a movement afoot. ShoeBuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop ShoeBuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. ShoeBuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code BEHAVE, B-E-H-A-V-E, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at ShoeBuy.com. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are 1-800-PETMEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PETMEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash Behave, B-E-H-A-V-E, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. I love if you ask the question, Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes.
2: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet educator, Arden Moore.
3: Welcome back to the OBH show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore, and yes, I have a little husky voice. I'm not part husky, just overcoming a little laryngitis, but I am delighted that our special guest is the multi-talented Annie Duke. Hey, she's a savvy businesswoman, a mother of four, a best-selling author, and she helps millions understand how to play the card they're dealt in life as a motivational speaker. And when it comes to dog, I guess you happily sport a full house with five rescues, right Annie?
1: Uh, yeah, we have five rescues. Basically, what happened was that my boyfriend, Joe Reitman, had a rescue called Animal Avengers with his ex-wife. That rescue is now defunct. But through that, they had obviously ended up adopting some of that organization's rescues. So he came into my relationship with him with three rescues. And I fell in love when I was sort of searching online one day with a little corgi German Shepherd mixed dog,
3: wow. um,
1: who I had seen on you know Pet Finder, totally cute dog because he looks sort of like a full size dog but with a little tiny legs. I went to the rescue to go get him, and it turned out that he came with two friends because they had sort of formed a pack that was you know running down a highway in in L A. and that's where they had been found. And that the rescue had had these three dogs for a very long time because they really didn't want to separate them, okay. and they were for somebody who was willing to take on all three which we did unfortunately one of them has since passed but we still have we still have the original dog that i fell in love with and also uh, his friend Gertie who's a chihuahua corgi mix he looks like a football um, oh my gosh <laughs> yeah it's literally the cutest dog you've ever seen the, the other funny thing about this dog is that she's little but when you pick her up, she weighs as much as, like, uh, St. Bernard. Like, she's made of what the densest material on earth. So <laughs>
3: it's totally cute. But so
1: now we have the five
3: dogs. We have a
1: Rottweiler.
3: Well, a- let's go down the whole rundown. I'm curious because I used to have a Corgi, and I say they're a cross between Robin Williams and the Three Stooges. You're so you got correct. a Corgi and a German Shepherd. Well, let's run down the names and what kind of much you got. So
1: we've got Amber, who is near the end of her time who Joe has had forever and ever and ever and and she's a pit uh ridgeback mix. Okay. Unfortunately not doing well. We're sort of preparing for when we make the decision because she's she's failing, but she, you know, she's very old. So she's lived a really wonderful life. Okay. Then we have a Chow Lab mix named Carmen. She's, you know, about 12. Mm-hmm. We have a this is a funny looking dog. We have a dog named Yoda who is <laughs> Uh, Chihuahua Dachshund Mix. That's a pretty hilarious looking dog. Mm-hmm. And he's also quite old. So so he's around 12 or 13 as well. So those are the three dogs that Joe came into the relationship with. He'd obviously had them for a very, very long time. And then we've got Atticus, who is the German Shepherd Corgi Mix that I fell in love with. He's about eight. Okay. And then we've got Gertie, who is also about eight years old, who's the Chihuahua Corgi Mix. Our hilarious dog. And what's really hilarious is that Gertie is actually the alpha of this. Really?
3: Yes, I know, because she's so little. <laughs> well, she's, she's small girl. and mighty and a little bit bitey. Maybe that's what right, it is. Right, exactly, exactly. Then we also
1: just this past spring adopted two rescues who are cats, a butterfly tabby who's named Scout, and then Scout? a tuxedo.
3: A long haired tuxedo actually named Boo. So what was the first one? Scout?
1: Scout, yeah. Oh, cool. We have a To Kill a Mockingbird theme going because we have Atticus and then we have Scout and now we have Boo who's Boo Radley.
3: I got gotcha. you. Well, yeah. as a, because I'm not Oprah and I can't give you a trip to Australia, I am, though, as a, being a guest on our show, I'm going to give you a copy of the Dog Behavior Answer book I wrote, which really helps you understand dogs. And they're not all doggy misdeeds. Sometimes we're just human after all and trip up a little bit. Yeah. And you got your choice, either the Cat Behavior Answer book or the one called Planet Cat, which has been designated the book to read on the toilet, the bathroom favorite bathroom reading book for cat lovers everywhere. It's got everything you could possibly want to know about cats, including all five cats who appeared on The Simpsons Show. So you, oh, you make the yeah, call. Yeah, I
1: think that one would be interesting because I think my kids would enjoy it. The reason why we just got two cats is, you know, I don't know what your opinion is, but, you know, people always view cats as so independent. Right. I think cats take much more attention than dogs do you know i think dogs are willing to just kind of hang and, mm-hmm. and be cool with whatever and i always feel like you know cats really need the cuddling and the padding and the attention and so what happened was i had always grown up with cats so when i was growing up we had two siamese cats they of course are extremely long-lived so they were with me you know throughout my whole childhood when i went to college i adopted three cats of my own from the SCCA. And I had them until the end of their lives. And by that time, I had four children all under the age of eight. finding it really hard to pay any attention to my cats. It was just really tough because I had babies. And, I, you know, I had babies in bed with me and carrying babies around and babies in my lap. And, you know, I, it was just really difficult for me to feel like I was really able to give my cats the attention that I felt like they needed. Right. So when I lost my last cat at age 17... breast cancer, I just didn't go and ever adopt another one because I just felt like with all these young kids, I guess it was too much of my attention. So this past spring, my youngest is now eight. And I realized that everybody's pretty independent and the kids could really help with the pet care. And my oldest daughter who had the most time with the cat because she was eight when we sort of stopped having cats was really longing to have another cat. And I felt like she was now responsible enough to really take ownership of these cats so i just announced to her one day as a complete surprise that we were going to go to the shelter and go get her some cats and she's beside herself she is so excited to have the cats and we love them and they're such a part of our family now and I'm so happy that I feel like I have the span in my life to be able to take cats in again cuz I grew, I mean I grew up with cats. They're really sort of my animals. So.
3: No, and what's the rundown of your children? What's let's do the names cuz we did the well, whole credit for the the cats I and know. dogs and I want to be remiss with your uh, two-legger in your family.
1: Right. I've got Maude who's 15, Leo who's
3: 12, uh, Lucy who's 10, and Nellie who is Okay. And we met your wonderful father, Richard Letterer. He was a guest on our show. I met him actually at the uh, Surf-a-thon that was benefiting the Helen Woodward Animal Center in Del Mar, California, because I actually have a couple of mutts, a 60-pounder golden retriever husky, which you can say, do I have a great vacuum? Yes. And the other one is a 12-pound mystery mutt with everything from terrier, bichon, basset hound, whatever. We did the DNA on her, named Cleo. Who now loves to surf? So we were in on a surfboard, and then we came up to your dad, you know, with his book, "The Treasury for Dog Lovers and Cat Lovers," and we just got to chatting. So you know, you never know who you are going to meet at, of all places, a dog surfing event.
1: My dad actually has one of my rescue dogs. So he had a dog that he had acquired named Bart, um, who he still has actually, and we had a dog that we had gotten up in Montana named Mike, who was a lab shepherd mix. Okay. A really good dog. But when we had moved back down to Las Vegas, we didn't have like a ton of outdoor space and he came up and, and he and his wife, Simone, just really fell in love with Mike and they were, they really had wanted to get a companion for right. art. And so we felt like it would be, like Mike would be better off down with him. So this was before we had all these other five rescues.
3: <laughs> okay. So we
1: felt like Mike would be better off down with him because he would have a friend and my dad really had a lot of time for the dogs more time than we felt like we had. So he ended up with Mike and Mike is still down there living with him. This is now a good 10 year, no, probably more than 10 years later. I think it's, about, it's, about, yeah, it's like 10 or 11 years later and Mike's still down there, companion to Bart, sort of, you know, very gray now, two mm-hmm. old
3: dogs kind of hanging out. It sounds like to me you've got something cooking, man, because you got the Methuselahs of mutts going from your childhood to now. And you have been able to uh, figure out a nice way to do a furry Brady Bunch, if you will, and get everybody (laughs) together. So I do give you pause up for being able to somehow get everybody to get along.
1: Well, everybody actually gets along really well. Although, you know, I have said to Joe, when we had gone out to go get Atticus, we were really intending to only come back with one dog. And obviously, we came back with three just because, you know, how can you break up the family? So we just couldn't bring ourselves to break up the family. So I have said to him, though, you know, obviously we have some dogs who are aging, that I would in the future think, I think that three dogs is going to be a better number for us. So, you know, that's sort of what we're looking to in the future is the three dogs and the two cats. I mean, even I think that five dogs and two cats is is a little on the ridiculous side, (laughs) although we love them. We wouldn't give a single one of them up. Uh, We would, we want every single one of them in our family, but I think that as we look toward the future, I think you're, we're going to see some paring down happen as things naturally progress.
3: You're pretty smart, and you're smart about life. You're smart about poker. And I got to tell you, I was cheering for you on the Celebrity Apprentice. I don't want to get into all the things, but folks, this lady raised over $700,000 for Refugees International. You were by far spot on the one that raised the most for your charity. So I applaud you for that, and you played the game well.
1: Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Actually, even you know when Joan Rivers won, she got an extra two hundred and fifty thousand for her charity, mm-hmm. and she still only raised like I think a little bit less than five hundred thousand. So even without the win, I managed to raise about three quarters of a million dollars and to a cause that's extremely important to me. I founded a charity called Anti Up for Africa. We uh, give grants to help Africans in need, but we particularly focused on. Most of our work has been done on Sudan and eastern Chad. Um, we have made grants to eastern Congo as well, and one of our big partners that we give grants to is Refugees International, and they do amazing work advocating for refugees in that area. They they ad- actually ad- advocate for refugees around the world, but obviously our focus is on the refugees from Darfur, and just um, a really incredible organization that really makes sure that that. Refugees have a voice because one of the problems with being a refugee is that you lose your political voice because you don't have a voice in the country that you fled from and you're certainly not a citizen of the country that you end up in. So these are people who are completely disenfranchised and that particular organization makes sure that that these people can be represented with government. So. I'm very passionate about that particular organization, and I was really happy to be able to raise so much money for them.
3: Well, I really thought that was great. I mean, how did you get affiliated with all this? I mean, you're a gal that grows up in the West Coast, and how did you get connected with all this? I saw a video you had with Don Chettle. Cheadle, no, that was yeah. pretty, Cheadle. too, so, Sorry, yeah. I'm glad it's radio, so I don't mispronounce. You know.
1: Yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So Don Cheadle, you know, did a movie called Hotel Rwanda that he's pretty famous for, which was obviously not about Darfur, but uh, about an issue that had happened in, in Africa. Through that, he got approached to go and take a look at what was happening in Darfur. Um, this was right at the beginning of what was happening in Darfur, and he became very passionate about what was happening in Darfur and Sudan. And with John Prendergast, who uh, is the president of an organization called Enough, which is part of the Center for American Progress, which is an advocacy organization for political advocacy. He was also a Clinton advisor. So this is a really cool guy. People should check out Prendergast because he's a really amazing individual. But he runs Enough. And he and Don wrote a book called Not on Our Watch, obviously referring back to The fact that after the genocide that occurred during the Holocaust, we made a statement that this would not happen on our watch again. And unfortunately, this is happening a lot on our watch. I mean, what's happened in Darfur is is really devastating. The estimates are half a million people have been killed by that government. Over Somewhere between two and four million people have been displaced. So, you know, this is a really terrible thing. So they wrote the book, Not on Our Watch. I have been friends with Don and really sort of his passion spread to me on this particular issue. And, you know, one day over lunch, we were talking about it. And I just said, you know, poker is a really incredible fundraising tool. We should put on an event to benefit Durfer. And so we had said, oh, we're going to just put on one tournament. We were thinking we we're going to do it in California. And sort of as we were thinking about this, another friend of ours, Norman Epstein, had a very similar idea at the exact same time. We decided this was Kismet. So we sort of formed a steering committee the three of us, for this one poker event that we were going to do. And I then reached out to a good friend of mine named Jeffrey Pollack, who's commissioner of the World Series of Poker, and I asked him if he felt like Paras or his organization could you know, lend us a hand in, in creating a successful event. And he then offered to have our event become part of the World Series of Poker, which is the biggest tournament series for poker players there is. It's an incredible platform to be able to have our event on. So we obviously took him up on that offer, and it was so successful that we made it an annual event. We've added other events. We're now officially a 501c3, and to date, we've raised over $4 million for the cause. So Congratulations. Now, it's just really, it just really shows you, you know, when one individual becomes passionate about something impassioned passionate about something, that that passion really does spread. And How can people
3: learn more about that? I know we can go over to AnnieDuke.com, but is there any other website that people can yep. learn more?
1: We have a very fleshed out website. It's called Africa dot org, and if you go to Africa dot org, you can really get the latest news on what's happening in Sudan and all over Africa, Eastern Congo. You get news from Refugees International over there, Enough Project, a Peace and Development Organization. Those are the three main organizations that we give grants to. You can find out what's happened with our events or with events that we have upcoming, and obviously there's a way to donate through the site. We would definitely so, any- want to do that. So. Go educate yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I say all the time to people about any cause, whether it's anti for Africa or another organization I'm involved in, which is decision education or whatever it might be, that I think that people really limit themselves to thinking that in order to help, they need to give money. And mm-hmm. what I tell people all the time is money, obviously, is, is extremely valuable as a commodity. And it's always welcome But nobody should feel like that they're limited to a monetary gift when they're thinking about how they can help with anything that they find passion about, because just as what happened with Don, one of the best things that people can do is just educate themselves about a topic so that they can spread the word. And when you spread the word, you create passion in other individuals. And when you create passion in other individuals, change will come. So, you know, that's something that I really want to make clear that while there is a way to donate on there, and we certainly appreciate any donations that come, Keeping Darfur and Sudan and Eastern Congo in the news and in the awareness of people in this country so that there's passion for it is really where change is going to come from. And so that's actually the biggest piece of help that anybody can give us is just knowing what's
3: going on. I think that's well said. Um, We're speaking with Annie Duke. She is not only an awesome poker player, she is one of the top people on the planet that knows how to give back. I don't know how you run a household with five dogs, two cats, and four kids, but you make it work. You do a lot of good for Refugees International as we're speaking, Annie up for Africa. And when we come right back, we're going to talk a little bit about how the role she's going to play in helping the Helen Woodward Animal Center and the event coming up called Appropriately Flush Puppies. We'll be right back, so sit and stay.
2: Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages.
1: FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's 7-Day Satisfaction Guarantee. For a century,
3: people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD.
0: Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code OBEHAVE at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P dot com. Code word O-H-B-E-H-A-V-E. Anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like,
3: So how do you feel about cat
0: condos? We can say from experience,
3: Feels like home. For her.
0: Enter the code BEHAVE10. BEHAVE, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. where have you been oh grandma i've been busy you know racing go daddy girl oh i built my own online store with go daddy really
3: let me see grandma's auction.com hey those grandpa's golf clubs grandma needs her bingo money
0: Use promo code BEHAVE10, B E H A V E, the number 10, and get a dot com domain name for just $749 at GoDaddy.com.
3: Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters. Ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion. With a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the
0: supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pets ghostly host, Dusty
3: Rainbolt. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Talk
2: pets. Let's talk Pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Hey everybody,
3: I'm Rachel Ray, and you're listening to OB
1: Hayes with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio.
2: We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper, and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to OB Hayes. Here's Arden.
3: Welcome back to the OBH show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. I am just delighted that we have Annie Duke on the show. You are a very complex individual, Annie. I know you, you were just shy of getting your doctorate degree. You know, you've been on the celebrity apprentice, and even though you're not a big fan of uh, reality shows, I understand, you use that as a good springboard or uh, to get some more awareness, as you were speaking of before, to help out people in Africa, Darfur and others. So tell me a little bit about how you even got involved on the Celebrity Apprentice and then let's segue over to this event to help out pets.
1: Sure. So let me just amend and say there are definitely reality shows that I watch.
3: Um, Okay.
1: I'm a huge fan of Top Chef. And I really like I'm obsessed with the biggest loser. So I just want I don't want anybody to think that I'm so highbrow that I never watch a reality show. I actually have a couple okay. of them too. that I'm I like the
3: biggest loser too. I think that's a great show. I've I've lost twenty pounds recently, so I'm jokingly calling oh. myself instead of Art and More, Art and Less, but you know.
1: Oh, cool. Congratulations. I'm Thank you. a huge not, which is why I love that. So I'm pretty crazy. I actually was moaning on Twitter today that I didn't get to go to Beat Room because I had a conference call and it really sucks to be an adult. So <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, okay. I don't have time the rest of the day to go and work out. So I'm going to miss my workout today, which makes me sad. But I had never watched a minute of The Apprentice. And I had been pretty firm on a stance that I really didn't have a lot of interest in ever being on a reality show. It's, enough of my life is already public and I don't need more of it to be public. So I really wasn't that interested in it. But, you know, lo and behold, I get told that I have a meeting with the Celebrity Apprentice producer. As a favor, I went to the meeting because the person who set it up, who's my manager, had worked very hard to set it up without my knowledge. got yelled at by me for it. Okay. Um, But, you know, I said, well, he's worked so hard. I'm just going to go and take the meeting. Now, at the time that I went, I having never watched the show, I hadn't watched the regular Apprentice or the Celebrity Apprentice. I wasn't aware that there was a charity component to it. So okay. I went in and I thought, oh, this is just a bunch of celebrities who are trying to raise their profiles, you know, through reality television. And that's very antithetical to, you know, anything that I would ever want to do. So I went in and, you know, I, I was, let's say, cursed with them. <laughs> they were like, well, what would your strategy be? And I was like, well, I don't know because I've never watched the show. Why don't you explain the rules to me and I'll tell you what the strategy would be? You know, like I, I just wasn't really into it. Let's say it that way. So, you know, they told me the rules. I told them the strategy that I would have. They seemed to be surprised that I could come up with a strategy so quickly. I reminded them that I do play a game for a living. So, (laughs) Um, And then they said to me, well, you know, last year we raised a million dollars for charity, at which point I said, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? There's charity involved in this. And then they explained to me that, you know, each of the contestants is playing for a particular charity of their choice. So at that point, I was a little bit annoyed because I realized that this was something that I probably would have to say yes to if they wanted me as a contestant. So I drive home from the meeting. I I actually called up Don and Norman, who, you know, as you know, are my co-founders in up for appetite and just very upset. I was like, it seems like I have to do this. This is ridiculous. I can't believe I'm going to have to go on a reality show. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, so we all agreed it was a, a, its such a great opportunity to raise awareness for the cause and, and hopefully raise some cash. that it seemed like that was something that I probably should take advantage of. They did indeed ask me to go on the show. And, you know, even though I was very reluctant, that doesn't mean that when I do enter a game that I'm not going to go full force. So I did get a DVD set of the previous season. I did watch it. I did analyze it, figure out what the best lines of play were. You know, and I feel like I executed the strategy really well. You know, in my opinion, I won the show because I feel like the show was about raising money for charity and being the most effective at, you know, sort of leveraging your connections in order to do that. And I think that I did that really well. And in the end, you know, obviously it was Donald Trump's choice about who he wanted to quote unquote hire or fire. And I think that I was really drawing dead against Joan Rivers because in the end, I think he probably felt like she was more famous, which she is, and better for her brand. I don't know if I agree with that. But I feel like it was pretty much a fait accompli that she was going to win that show. So I was pretty happy, given the fact that I was probably less famous than pretty much anybody else on that show, that I did make it to the final two. And I considered that a huge victory and a win for me. So, And obviously well, a huge for my charity. So I was really happy.
3: And think about it. There's some uh, nice bridesmaids out there by the name of Adam Lambert and others that have done quite well. So I felt that the public got to know you a little better. And, you know, you said you make a living playing a game. I think you played the game on Celebrity Apprentice quite well. And it's a tough game because the cameras are always rolling.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, my big thing was that I just wanted to, I sort of had two goals. I wanted to raise the most that I could for charity and I wanted to behave in a way that I was going to be proud of and mainly what that meant was unlike a lot of what you see on reality TV I wanted to tell the truth the whole time and I did and you know if you go back and watch that show you'll see that I never say something different in a private interview than I say in front of Trump or in the boardroom and you know I'm very truthful to people to their face and you know it's kind of interesting to me because somewhere around the middle of the show Joan Rivers started accusing me of being a liar And I kept asking her, what did I lie about? And she never really gave me an answer except to call me a liar. And it was kind of interesting because, like, when you saw fan comments, when she first started saying that, people were sort of repeating that and saying, oh, you know, I don't like Annie because she's a liar. But by the end of the show, actually, when you looked at sort of the polls and whatever, 90% of the people were like, you know, we feel like Annie did a good job and that she didn't lie. And that's really all that I care about because in the end, I'm not coming away with that, like, oh, I'm going to be Celebrity Apprentice and have a job with Donald Trump. I can only come away with my integrity. And so I feel like I came away from that show with my integrity intact, because I I didn't lie. And I don't think that I ever got really personal with anybody. I didn't personally attack anybody. You know, because that's the thing that, that I don't like about reality TV, you know, is sort of when people start going, you know, dragging through the mud, lying, the deceptiveness and all of those things. And And I just really didn't want that to be ever a part of my game plan and I didn't want to ever personally attack anybody, particularly in a show that was about business. You know, and I think that I did that and that, that's okay then. So, you know, whatever my other faults might be, I didn't lie and I didn't attack anybody personally. So I'm okay with that. Then whatever people's opinions of me are fine beyond that.
3: Well, let's talk about what's happening with the Helen Woodward Animal Center. Your dad is going to be, I guess, like the master of ceremonies for this flush puppy event on October 23rd, and everybody, you can dash to animalcenter.org and learn a little bit more about the event. But what's your role in that?
1: Well, he had asked me. Obviously, he asked me if I could come down. Fortunately, I can't because I'm busy that weekend traveling. But uh, he he said to me, "Will you can you send down like you know a signed photograph or something like that?" And I said to him, "Well, why don't I just give a poker lesson?" And he was like, really? Was like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, I don't care. So, you know, I donate a couple hour poker lesson to a variety of charities. I think it's, it's a really easy way for me to give back because all it costs me is my time. So I told him that I'd be happy to do that. So I guess one of the prizes in, in the event that he's emceeing It's going to be a two-hour poker lesson, a private poker lesson with me.
3: That's great. Let's talk a little bit about poker because it is more than a game. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you learned a lot about yourself and others based on playing poker?
1: So, actually, I, I do do some speaking around the country, particularly to business groups on this topic. Poker as a sort of strategic template is amazing for most kinds of decisions that you can make in your life, whether they're business decisions or decisions about your personal life or parenting or whatever it might be. You know, poker is a game of decision-making under conditions of uncertainty, where which means that you have to make decisions without having all of the info all the time because you know what your cards are, but you don't know what your opponent's cards are. And then you add this element of time because you don't just play one hand. So you have to optimize your decisions over time as well. So you have to balance out what's my optimal decision right now with... Well, I'm going to be playing more hands in the future, so I have to manage that as well and make sure that I'm optimizing over time, Oh, well, I can't see the other person's card. So, you know, there's some complex decision-making that goes on in that process, as you can imagine. It's complicated just to explain what the problem is, and um, it turns out that that's actually a very good template for life decisions. I mean, if you think about it, most of the decisions that you make in your life are decisions where you don't have all the information you need in order to make a theoretical perfect decision. And you're trying to optimize over time. So we know that if we only ever made a decision that was best for us right now, that we would have really unhappy lives, right? Right. Because we have to think about consequences and what's going to happen in the future. Otherwise, we'd all be robbing banks and running red lights. <laughs>
3: um, That's a good point. Do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we recognize that life is a game played out over time so that when you're making decisions in the moment, you have to take into account how those decisions are going to play out in the future and whether you're optimizing your decisions. So, you know, as you know, very often you make a decision that might be slightly less profitable for you. And by profit, I mean either money or happiness, but it might be slightly less profitable for you in the moment, but it's going to create more profit for you in the future. I know that I feel that way every morning when I wake up at 6.30 in the morning to make my children breakfast and get them to school because (laughs) it's personally more profitable for me that day probably to try to sleep in. But over the long haul, better decision for me just to suck it up and get up at 6.30 in the morning, right? So we all feel this on a daily basis.
3: How did you get into poker? Because I know your brother Howard is also quite accomplished and your dad's not so bad, but... I mean, you come from a very well-educated family. It sounds like your dad really exposed you to a lot of things and really cultivated your critical thinking skills.
1: Yeah, I mean, we grew up in a family where we played just tons and tons of games, and I think that games in general just really hone your critical thinking skills. So we were playing a lot of different card games. We weren't playing any poker, really, but we were playing a lot of card games like gin and hell and bridge and a variety of games like that, playing Scrabble. My brother really got into chess early on when in his early teens, was really, really good by the time he was 16, really studied chess pretty deeply, you know, and I think that game playing in general just really teaches you these kinds, you know, really teaches you to understand consequences of decisions and how to make a good decision in the moment and understand how that decision is going to play out, you know, in the future. And, you know, I thought that was actually a really great way to be brought up, you know, surrounded by games, playing games. but. What happened was my brother, as I said, was really into chess. He's older than I am. And he went off to New York when he was 18 to go study with a chess grandmaster because he really wanted to pursue chess to its fullest extent. And, you know, when he went to New York, as he was studying chess, it turned out that the place that he was playing a lot of chess had a poker game in the back room. You know, and obviously we had played a lot of cards when we were growing up, not a lot of poker, but, you know, he had a lot of card sense and. After initially having a very rough start with the poker, which involved his losing his college money, luckily my dad was just a school teacher, so it wasn't a huge amount of college money. Uh-huh. Okay, right. It was the small amount of college money that he had saved up. He kind of got himself together. It took about a year for him to really start to become good at the game. And eventually the game that he had lost his college money in broke up because he won so much money out of the game. So oh. that's kinda how- nice rags-to-riches kind of story. And, you know, he started playing professionally. And by the time that he was 23 years old, he had made the final table of the World Series of Poker. So this all happened while, you know, I was in high school and college. And I left college, went off to graduate school, was studying graduate in graduate school. It's very poor. I had an NSF, a National Science Foundation fellowship that I was going to graduate school on. It paid $13,000 a year. That's what I was living on. So, you know, there weren't a lot of vacations in Annie Duke's life. Mm -hmm. And so my brother, who was doing quite well at this point, would fly me out to Las Vegas once a year during the World Series of Poker to, you know, hang out with him. And he put me up at the Golden Nugget, which seemed so fancy to me then. And and I would get to hang out for a couple weeks during the World Series of Poker and sort of get taken to fancy restaurants. I mean, you know, at the time, a fancy restaurant for me was like Chili's, you know, so... Um, (laughs) There you go. Right. So he would take me out to steakhouses. You know, it was very fancy. And I quickly found Las Vegas to be a little bit boring. I mean, I'm not really much of a partier. I didn't really want to go out to clubs. Wasn't really my style. You know, I didn't find the gambling games and casinos to be particularly interesting. So I found myself just sort of hanging around, you know. And he said to me, well, you know, I know you're a little bit bored. Why don't you play some poker? I had sat behind him when he was in New York and watched him play enough that I had a good grasp of the game. And he sort of gave me some pointers. He wrote a list of hands on a napkin, actually, while we were eating dinner one night. And he sent me off to go play dollar to three at at the Fremont. And Mm -hmm. I I remember the first time that I tried that, I won $300 over the course (laughs) of the time I was out in Las Vegas. And obviously, $300 is a lot of money to someone making $13,000 a year. Absolutely. So I started playing poker when I would come out and visit him visit with him while he was playing at the World Series of Poker then when I made the decision to leave graduate school so this is now a few years later I moved to Montana with my husband at the time now my ex-husband and was really just sort of like oh no you know now I dropped out of graduate school I was planning to take a year off and go back to it but I just felt like I needed a year off I hadn't taken any time off from being a student through my whole life and I just really needed to sort of reconvene and figure out if that was what I really wanted to do and but needed money and my brother mentioned to me that there were poker games in montana about 45 minutes away from where i live and he suggested that i try that for some money in the meantime while i was trying to figure out what i wanted to do and so he sent me some seed money and sent me off to play in these games and i remember the first month i won twenty eight hundred dollars which yeah a lot of money to me back then um so i just sort of kept doing that and he was extremely helpful to me i would sit with him on the phone for hours after a session of poker going over hands I had played and questions that I had. And he was extremely generous with his time and his knowledge he was an amazing mentor to me while I was playing and um, really taught me what I know today. And a couple years into it, he staked me in the world series of poker and I won $70,000 in that first world series that I played and moved down to Las Vegas a month later and, you know, sort of never looked back. So Uh, really have my brother to thank for it because, you know, people don't realize now because they're so used to it being on TV that when I started, I mean, this was in 1994, there was not poker on TV. There was no way for someone to know that poker was something that you could do as a living unless you happen to have accidentally sort of fallen into this games world. And my brother had accidentally fallen into this games world through chess. And had it not been for my brother I wouldn't have even known that poker was a profession. I wouldn't have wow. understood that poker was something that you could do as a living because it wasn't all over the television. Poker players weren't famous. They weren't celebrities. You didn't see Phil Ivey all over the place at the time. So it was really quite accidental and quite a stroke of fate, really, that it was something that my brother and I ended up getting involved in. Because I think that obviously, you know, with 2020 hindsight, it was really the best thing for my brother and I to be doing. I think it was really well suited to what our skill set is. And I
3: think it was just really lucky that we happened to find our way to it. Well, I think that's great. That's an amazing story. And I'm just delighted we've had you on our show, Annie Duke. Everybody, you got to dash over to annieduke.com. Please check out the Flush Puppies event that's going to be helping out the Helen Woodward Center on animalcenter.org. And annieupforafrica.org, a place that's near and dear to Annie. And as she said, it's all about awareness, folks. You may not be flush with a lot of money, but you can raise awareness and improve the lives of people all over this planet. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we uh, we bid adieu, Annie?
1: No, I mean I think that I just like to really emphasize what you just said. You know, I think it's really a shame that people really have a misconception. That you have to have money to do good in this world, and you know that if you want to help out a charity, that you know you you have to donate, and that's the way that you have to help out. I think that every charity would agree that just spreading the word about a problem is that, in so many ways, is more valuable than money because money ends up coming in. You do fundraisers, you do all your stuff that raises money, but if people don't care, nothing in the end will change, even with all the money in the world.
3: Yeah, and you're living proof having five rescue dogs and two rescue cats and. So you're doing things for both the two, three, and four leggers out here on this planet. I want people again to know we're, we're. I'm just very appreciative of you being on the show, Annie. And maybe next time I see you, I'll have my real voice, not this husky voice. But uh, <laughs> I R O S, you know, I kind of like it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll just like strain my voice more often. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But on behalf of my Furry Fab Four and my cool producer, Mark Winter, who makes this show happen each and every week, we're really glad that you've been on our show. Maybe we'll get Howard on, so we'll complete the, uh, the trio of talent in your family after having your dad on earlier. And so until next time, this is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two-, three-, and four-leggers out there. Oh, Behave.
2: Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat.